Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Time now for the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Well, here we go. Yet another fill-in edition of the Balloon Party. I'd have thought by Thursday we'd have popped all the balloons and been done. But nope, they want to keep bringing you back. Welcome back in. It's the Balloon Party. Glad to have you with us. Tim McKernan still on vacation. Nobody's heard from him, so that's probably a good thing. But uh, he's on vacation, so uh, still for the next couple of days, you're stuck with me. Chris Kerber with you here. Glad to have you with us. It was. This is a fantastic. Kerry Davis asked this as we were walking into the room. He goes, so the Blue's going to be good this year? And I don't want to tell you what I said because it's too early in the day. But... But it came down to one thing. They could be good, but you have a lot of hope. You hope that Thomas and Cairo take the next step. You hope that Verana and Kapanen find their stride in, in contract years. You hope that Jake Neighbors, who we're going to talk to, by the way, at 10-15, comes in. And uh, you, you hope that the defensive play of the team is better. Uh, you hope that Torepchenko takes the next step and becomes more of a player. You hope that Sammy Blake, there's a lot of hope. And the reason that you say hope is because you're looking for something more from most of these players that you have seen glimpses of, but you haven't seen consistency of. You don't have to say, I hope Ryan O'Reilly did this. I hope Jordan Bennington does this. I, you know where those. I hope Justin Falk does this. You know where those guys are. You've seen them do it. It's the same thing. This is the similarities we've been talking about all week when it comes to the Cardinals. We hope we find a shortstop. We hope that this player takes the reins and plays second base. We hope that any one of these outfielders grabs the opportunity. We hope that Libertor can do this. We hope that Dakota Hudson can do that. We hope that Jack Flaherty. Right? We even even now at the end of his group, we hope that Adam Wainwright has one more year left in him. That kind of thing. Hope is a good thing, as Andy Dufresne said. Maybe the best of things, but too much hope in sports leaves the room for that not to be realized, and that leads to bad seasons. Now, we're going to take you in this first segment here before we talk to Jake Neighbors. We're going to take you into a little show prep. So here's what happens. we got amazing producers here All right, at 101 ESPN. Grant Francis is filling in for Action Jackson this week. Grant does an amazing job, help cover the St. Louis Blues during a hockey season. He produces all the Blues games for us, right? You've heard him on the air. Um, so earlier in the week, we're talking, okay, let's go through some topics. And I have, as, as the guy running the show, I've got thoughts on which way I want to go. And then sometimes I start a segment and I never get to half of what I'm thinking anyway. Especially in just a one-hour show. If I was filling in for three hours, we'd get to a lot more. All right, but, so Jackson earlier in the week. Let, let's take somebody inside the producers. And this is actually this is actually for fans. You, you can do this. Like This is something that you can do. So all the hot-button topic around the St. Louis Cardinals. And it's important before they, they take the field again tomorrow. And you said, I've got a topic I want to talk about. What was the topic? It was the Cardinals bullpen. Okay. What was your 
premise of wanting to talk about the Cardinals bullpen. So obviously this season, the bullpen has not been good. Pitching in general has not been good for the Cardinals. But I looked at it and I was thinking, you know, last year the bullpen was pretty good. They were upper average in the MLB. Okay, and, okay, wait, don't go too deep yet. Yeah, no, okay, I won't. That's what you wanted to get into. But this season, it's not been the case. And my thoughts were that maybe it's due to starting pitching. So I got into that and okay. ended up finding something that didn't. I didn't think about. All right, well, hang on, hang on, hang on. So when you brought that topic up, be honest with everybody. What did I say to you? No. Basically, you I basically like, said I really I don't, don't care, care about yeah. that topic, right? Part of it is because I know every other show on the radio station is going to get into the nitty-gritty. Yeah. And and I, I know that's what we do in sports talk, is you get into the nitty-gritty, but day in, day out, the same, the same, the same. All right. But I said, no, no, no. I go, but I didn't say it's a bad topic, right? Mm-hmm. So this is, this is the conversation that goes on when you figure out what we're going to talk about. I said, you got to find an angle. That, that that brings something interesting to the listener, right? Other than I have an opinion. Because you have an opinion, I have an opinion. Yes, we have microphones, and that's the only difference between us and somebody in their car listening on the app, you know, over in Europe, wherever somebody may be. Uh, so just opinions. So I said, okay, well, put some context to what you're trying to say. Rather than coming on going, I think the Cardinals are having a bad year because the bullpen hasn't been very good. And that's because of starting pitching. So you went back, you did some research. What happened? Yeah, so my thoughts that I had before I had that conversation with you could not be more polar opposite than the results that I found after I really dug deep into it and okay, take found us into some storylines. So my thoughts were that since the starting pitching this season has been so bad and they're not getting deep into games, that the bullpen has been suffering because of it. And, you know, you look at the first quarter of the season – Cardinals bullpen actually wasn't that bad. They were top 10 in ERA the first quarter of this season. But then you look at the second quarter of the season, they're at a 540 ERA, which is third. I hit that button. Your mic's fine. Oh, okay. I thought maybe the the cord came out. It's been doing that in these studios No, so if I hit this green button, does it cut out your mic? I think it does, yeah. Yeah, okay, sorry. Got that figured out at least, but what's the red button do? That says dump. That's dump. Yeah, that's just going to erase. That's what you have to use if you have to go to the bathroom. Yeah. So, so, but a five forty ERA for the Cardinals in the second half of the season for their uh, second half of the season so far for the bullpen, which is third worst in the MLB. Interesting thing is though, they have the same exact numbers of innings pitched in the first quarter and the second quarter of the season. A lot of the problems here... They at, being the Cardinals' bullpen. Yes, okay. same innings pitched, first quarter and second quarter. Yep. So the narrative that I was thinking of, that the starting pitching being the problems for the bullpen, them not getting into games, really doesn't apply. And the other thing that I found in this is that the Tampa Bay Rays, who are one of the best teams in the MLB this season, second most wins in the league, or in baseball, they have pitched the most innings from their bullpen out of any team in MLB this season which was kind of wild to me. That's not what I would expect because you look at a team that's playing so well and you think, oh, they must have great starting pitching. And that may be the case, but they're not really getting deep into games. They're not pitching a ton from their starting pitching. It's four or five innings, and then they go to their bullpen, who is pitching some of the most innings in baseball. Okay, where did you look all this information up? Fangraphs. Okay. So the reason the reason we're kind of having some fun with this is this was a couple of days ago, you know, Tuesday, the first day I started filling it with Tim, we're going through the topics. And I'm like, I just, the topic of just coming on the air and saying, I got an opinion. And I think one of the reasons the Cardinals are struggling is because the bullpen's bad. Okay. Well, you, you got to, anybody can say that fans are texting it in, do, do whatever. And, and that's, that's great. 
But then you go in and you're like, well, wait a minute. One of the best teams in Major League Baseball has the most innings pitched out of their bullpen. So then you got to take that and you, you go another way. Well, this is the kind of thing that as a fan you can do. Any, anybody can jump on fan graphs. Anybody yeah. can get on baseball reference. You know, I'm looking at the Cincinnati Reds and where they're at and you know, all the hype with Ellie De La Cruz and, and the fun they had and watching him steal second and third and home all within within uh, two pitches. And, and you're you're looking at all that. And I'm like, okay. And everybody's all excited about the Cincinnati Reds. You know the Cincinnati Reds? How many, okay, how many times in the last 47 years do you think the Cincinnati Reds have made the playoffs? So almost 50 years. You could probably count on my two hands. Seven. Okay. Seven. There's a fan base along the Ohio River there. Seven playoff seasons in their last 47. You know, like the point is, it all just comes down to perspective. But the fun that we have is you got a hypothesis if you're a fan out there and you're upset with the way things have gone for the Cardinals, and you you should be. It's legit. It's fair. It's accurate. You could do some reading and go, sometimes the hypothesis isn't what it is. And this is what, by the way, we're like during a hockey season, this is what I do. Like, I'm like, man, I think things are going this way. I go to look for some kind of support of this hypothesis. I'm like, nope, it's nothing what I thought. Well, and here's the other thing, and we got to get the Jake Neighbors on the other side, so I don't want to open a huge can of worms here, but a lot of people talking about Ali Marmol, and he doesn't let their, the pitchers go far into the game, the starting pitchers. But then you look at the actual statistics of it, where that, they rank in the MLB in terms of inning, innings pitched from their starters. They're dead middle in the pack, like 16th in the league. So that's not really a storyline. They're not taking their pitchers out super early. And then you look at the Rays. They don't get on. They don't get on Ollie. This is a, a rabbit hole. They don't get on Ollie Marmol because you just take pitchers out early. You get on the manager when you take a pitcher out early when he's dealing. And I understand because that. that's yeah. what the stats say you should. And that's and and that's and he had a quote earlier in the year where. You know, he brought in a pitcher and it didn't go away. He goes, well, the percentage just said that would be the pitcher there. I'm like, okay, I can't stand that. You know, but listen, I, I'll leave my mo- it's, it's Sometimes I'm a little harsh on this topic, but um, I'm, it's it's not. It's not his fault, in my opinion. It's it's just in, it's inexperience. Mm. It's a certain amount of inexperience with a lot of inexperience at the roster, and and it's hard. I mean, John Smoltz said this the other night during the All Star game. When you have a manager that has experience and knows how to win, that manager, right, makes a difference. And it's hard as a manager to grow in the situation that the Cardinals have with the way the players are performing. It's a, it's a difficult spot. All right, let's take a break. Jake Neighbors coming up. We're flipping topics. And by the way, coming up in 15 minutes, the Blues defense. How's it stack up? Who are you pairing anybody with? We'll be back in a moment on the Balloon Party on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Nope, Tim McKernan's still on vacation. You're stuck with the hockey guy or the loud guy or, I don't know, sometimes I'm a baseball guy. Been a baseball fan my whole life. Love baseball. Played the game. You know, I'm I'm a sports guy. I'm a sports guy. When we can talk hobby horse championships from Finland, right? That that tells you we're just we're just into competition no matter what it is. We did that earlier in the week, by the way. Glad to have you with us here on the balloon party. Uh, Tim McKernan on vacation. I'm Chris Kerber. Uh, let's head to the celebrity line now and talk things over with blues forward Jake Neighbors. Kind enough to take a few minutes for me out of his summer vacation and uh, and talk some hockey with us. Jake, how you doing this summer, my man? 
Doing good, Curbs. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, I know you're going to be on the ice here in just a little bit. How soon after the season ended did you start getting back on the ice? Uh, after I got back from Europe, uh, from the World Championships there, I took about, I think, about two and a half, three weeks off and then and started skating again. So been back at it for about two weeks now. So, yeah, feels good. What was that experience at the World Championships like for you? Yeah, it was awesome. I think for a young guy like me to get over and play with uh, you know some other players from around the league and obviously get the chance to compete on an international stage is always is always an honor and um, to represent Canada. So uh, it was a ton of fun and obviously bringing out the gold medal, there's nothing like it. So, what did you learn from it? Yeah, I think a lot of different things. I think just playing with guys like Milan Lucic and um, you know that have been around the the league a long time, they got a lot of tips and tricks for you and. Um, I think I learned a lot about uh, the style of hockey over there, too. I think it's a lot different from the NHL and uh, something all of us had to get used to at the start of the tournament. And um, But, yeah, it was uh, definitely a very cool and uh, unique experience. I, okay, so, Jake, I, I know you've you've been in the NHL for parts of two seasons. Even from what you just learned this summer and being around guys like Milan Lucic and other, or the amount of time you spent around the veterans in St. Louis, whether it be a, a, a Ryan O'Reilly, a Justin Falk, a Colton Pareko, a Braden Shen, those guys, what would you go back and even tell just your younger self two years ago on how to prepare for what's coming in the NHL? Yeah, I think just, uh, I think I would remind myself about the little things. I think taking care of your body, making sure you're, you know, mentally prepared, physically prepared for, uh, training camps and, uh, obviously long seasons. I think something you can never really prepare for is an 82 game season. You don't get to do that in any other league. So, um, just being ready for that and obviously the, the strength and speed of, of players at, at this level. It's, uh, obviously, uh, something I've had to adjust to and, um, think I'm doing an okay job at, and um, you know, got to continue to strive and and get better. But um, I think that's definitely something that I would tell myself is just, uh, you know, everyone always says be ready for the strength and the speed and the older guys and all that. But um, I think it's uh, even more than I was warned about. There, there really is no replacement for experience, is there? No, absolutely not. I think um, you need games to to really see what what it's all about, and I think. You know, down the stretch last year, getting uh, more consistent uh, playing time and in the lineup and stuff like that, I just found myself getting more and more comfortable. And, um, you know, I can only imagine uh, with more games under my belt, I'll continue to feel better and, and get better and continue to improve. So, um, like you said, there's there really is nothing like experience. So, I, I know from a player standpoint, when when you get asked about how to play, well, it depends. What no matter what line you play on, you just try to play your game. You just try to play that style, a smart game, a you know, a, a dependable game. But when you're in the lineup and used in different spots by the head coach, do you notice some of those games where maybe the minutes might be three minutes higher, four minutes higher, or the type of players you might be playing against depending on the line that you're on? Have you started to notice the difference in in how the game is played in those moments? Yeah, hundred percent. I think obviously speed's one thing. If you're out there against, you know, a first or second line that plays with a lot of pace, and you got to be ready to kind of go back and forth, or um, you know, if they get rolling around the our defensive zone, you got to be you know ready for that. And, and you know, there's obviously different situations, and um, but like you said, it's just the experience and, and getting to learn, um, you know, all the different situations, playing in different roles, and um, you know, I think 
with warm minutes, you just kind of get into a rhythm and um, with that rhythm, you start to play better and, and, you know, feel better about yourself. So uh, I think it'd definitely be easier to play a little more minutes a night. You just get in that rhythm and uh, obviously it's a little bit tougher though with some of the line matches. Jake Neighbors joining us here on the Balloon Party this morning. Glad to have uh, everybody tuning in, and Tim McKernan will be back with you on Monday as he's on vacation this week. Jake, for fans that get up every morning as Blues fans, and they see and they'll say they'll see a transaction. Okay, the Blues have sent Jake Neighbors uh, down to Springfield. The Blues have recalled Jake Neighbors or this player, or that player from Springfield. For the average fan, it's a transaction. It's something you read. Uh, we used to say the old blotter, but it's now it's something you see on social media. Something they read if they're reading, uh, you know, a newspaper article. But what is the experience like as a player to kind of have a season where you know you're knocking on the door, but you are sent up and down, and your playing time and roles might be different depending on which one of those two teams you're at. Yeah, it was definitely uh, something different, something I hadn't experienced before, and it was something I needed to adjust to early on in the season. And I think just mentally is the biggest thing, just trying to stay sharp mentally and continue to believe in yourself and understand that um, you know the organization knows what's best for you, whether that's being down in Springfield, developing, playing a lot more minutes and in and, and a higher role, I guess, and then versus being in St. Louis and uh, you know maybe having a bit more of a depth role and um, you know trying to provide energy that way. So. It was definitely something I had to, you know, wrap my head around early on in the season. And I think, uh, you know, as I went up and down a couple of times, I got used to it and uh, it didn't become such of a big deal in, in my inside my head. And, um, you know, I was ready when called upon after that. Okay, this season uh, the Blues have some other young players coming in, some guys that uh, you've got to know a little bit, you know, like a, uh, in the camps like a Zach Bolduc or, or, or maybe a Zach Dean. Can you give our fans the perspective on how going down to Springfield has helped you become a better player? Yeah, I think just it's a it's a really good stepping stone in, into the NHL. Um, you know, the pace of play is still very high down there, and there's still a ton of very skilled players. And um, you know, the game is still played, um, you know, at a very high rate. So I think just being down there, and and obviously for me, I was in a better role. Uh, you know, playing top six minutes and. Um, excuse me, playing on the power player, the penalty kill, and getting special team time. It's it just gives your confidence back, kind of gets your rhythm back that you had in junior or whatnot, and and from there you just try and bring that up to the NHL when you get the chance. So, um, you know, for me, I started in the NHL and uh, you know wasn't playing my best and got sent down, kind of got my confidence back, and then after that, I felt every time I was up, I was good. So um, that that's just it's a it's a even better stepping stone into the NHL than junior provides you with. What are you, uh, what, what are the expectations that you've set for yourself here as you work your way through the summer heading into next season? Yeah, I want to be a full-time player this year. I think, um, you know, at this point going into, I guess, part of my third season, um, put on the blue note, I, I want to play 82 games and I want to be a full-time member of this team and, and start contributing and, um, you know, having an impact on games and, and, you know, helping out my teammates. So, um, it's something I'm really looking forward to. I'm excited for, and um, you know, really looking forward to camp and, and getting the chance to prove that once again. All right, Jake. Listen, I did my homework for the show today. I do have one question away from the rink that I've got to ask you. I need. I I heard that uh, you practiced and uh, basically 
were using a tailor-made stealth driver for oh about a year and a half, uh, a demo driver that was being that somebody was trying to hunt down. So uh, I just wanted to get your thoughts on that driver before you had to return it. <laughs> Good driver. I ended up buying one. So <laughs> and obviously it did the trick because I ended up buying one myself, but. Yeah, that's a funny story. Uh, I had a guy helping me out because I had broke mine, so he lent me one and uh, never really returned it until a year later. So <laughs> I, g- I gave her back, though, just to be clear. <laughs> yeah, but but it, in all defense, it wasn't it wasn't like I'm just keeping this driver for a while. We were just talking about you going up and down in the season hits, and and sometimes you weren't even here to be able to return it. Yeah, exactly. It was kind of. You know, once I got the chance to go over and return it, I was going down or coming up or whatever it was. So, but we we figured it out. We got the driver back into the the right hands. All right, so I got a good scouting report, is what you're saying? Yeah, you sure did. Yeah, that's right. Hey, listen, I know you're about to get on the ice, Jake. Thanks so much for giving us a few minutes, and uh, man, just just enjoy the last few weeks before camp really fires up. Thanks for thanks for giving us Sounds a little good. bit of time. Appreciate it, Curbs. We'll see you soon. All right, you got it, Jake. Thank you very much. That is Jake Neighbors Blues for you know what? He's he's twenty one. Right? Jake Neighbors is is twenty one years of age. And he turned twenty one right at the end of March, March twenty ninth. And the reason why that's important is he was the twenty sixth overall pick for the St. Louis Blues in two thousand twenty. So when I continue to like you went to prospect camp, Grant. You saw this. There's a lot of reason for excitement. I'll go back to the days when the Blues went to the bottom of the, the league. And, and when they went to the bottom of the league in 05, 06, the problem that they had was the cupboard was bare. There was nothing coming. You didn't have prospects. The difference in where the Blues are now is while they went to the 10th worst record in the league and ended up with the 10th overall pick, they have a Jake Neighbors on the way, a potential of Zach Bolduc, a potential of Zach Dean, the potential of Dvorsky, the two Swedish defensemen that were taken. Uh, there's, there's stuff in the, in the pipeline that didn't exist then. But here's the thing. This is, this is why I don't get overly excited about prospects. Now, Okay, if it was Bedard, McDavid. Like, I'm excited about Dvorsky to see what he can do. But even at the 10th overall pick, this is going to take time. If as an 18 or a 19-year-old, a player makes the National Hockey League. I mean, so two years ago, at the age of 19, Jake Neighbors played nine games in the National Hockey League. If, if they make the games in, in the NHL, there's going to still be growing pains. There's going to be growth curves. Robert Thomas won a Stanley Cup his rookie year playing in the league, but he was playing on the third line. Even at times last year, five years in, four years after winning the Cup, we still saw the very steep learning curve of what it takes to play center in the National Hockey League. And we saw at times he wasn't quite there yet. That's why Ryan O'Reilly was put back into some of those positions. Now, again, like we just talked about, experience is experience. So you're only going to get it if you get in there, which is one of the reasons I really do think that Ryan O'Reilly is not back, and they, the Blues did not resign him, because now Craig Berube basically has to give that experience. You know, I, I wouldn't quite say it's the Art Howe situation with the Oakland A's from years ago, but it's, you know, it's okay. you got to coach the players now that you're given. But it takes time. So you're already talking about Jake Neighbors, 
drafted in 2020. He's played 52 games, 40-something games last year, nine games and then sent back to juniors, up and down, right? It, it wouldn't shock me if there's a little up and down this year. Wouldn't shock me. And it wouldn't be a bad thing. It just takes these guys time. So especially if you're not picking really with one of the top five picks, even where the Blues pick 10, it's a couple years you're talking about somebody impacting the roster. And that's why that's why you just have to have patience. You know, and, and that's why I mean that's why it does just take it just takes the time. You know, so if you're going in how well, we started the show with hope. You're going to say, I hope Jake Neighbors steps in and this year can fill a top six role. That's lofty hope. It doesn't mean he can't. It's not knocking Jake in any way. That's a big step from not being a full-time player to being a top six player. But one of the things that I was thinking about as you're saying that is this is a good problem to have. You look at a lot of the teams around the league that go through a ton of rebuilds and have all these top prospects like the Arizona Coyotes, like the Buffalo Sabres for such a long time. Like... For example, if Jake Neighbors was on one of those teams, he'd be a full-time NHLer, no question. But because the Blues have been such a competitive team for the last however many years, it's tough to bring these prospects up. It's tough to have those opportunities. So the fact that it does take longer for prospects to develop for the Blues is a good thing. Well, I would suggest that I don't think that it takes longer for the Blues prospects to the, I don't think that the time to develop is different from the Blues versus any other team. There will always be outliers in any statistical breakdown. That's why I always come to the mean and you, and you throw out the outliers. The outliers in this case are the players that come in and just have that immediate impact and go, right? The uh, Kaprizov, okay? Type that's an outlier. That is an outlier when it comes to developing a prospect. Um Barrett Jackman Three years in the minor leagues. Bryce Salvador, the amount of time in the minor leagues. Okay, that's more the norm. All right, but when the Blues were at the barrel, bottom of the barrel, oh five, oh six, and they draft T.J. Osha, you draft David Backus, they had nothing. So these guys had to come in and they had to learn on the fly. There's a reason the Buffalo Sabers, the Edmonton Oilers, the Toronto Maple Leafs, and the Arizona well, the Arizona Coyotes is as much to do with ownership issues as anything. But there's a reason that those teams have struggled for as long as they have, and the rebuilds have seemed like they're taking forever. And for the Buffalo Sabers, like to me, a rebuild is continuing until you've made the playoffs, and they missed the playoffs for the 11th straight season. This is the first year in the last 11 years, counting this year, that they didn't have a top 10 pick. That's just sick. That is absolute organizational mismanagement. You know, that's malpractice in sports. But you know the mistake that every one of those teams made? They made they all made one mistake. They never they they never surrounded their young players with veteran guys to help them show the way. So when guys like Taylor Hall and Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Nail Yakupov, all these high draft picks of the Edmonton Oilers came in. They never had, I mean, once Ryan Smith basically retired out of there, they they didn't have a Braden Shen. Those guys weren't living with somebody. They didn't have that. Uh, when Doug Armstrong came in and he brought in Jamie Langenbrunner and he brought in Jason Arnott, 
that sped up the development of those guys because they learned. Well, Blues prospects have been able to come in and learn from guys like Steen, O'Reilly, Bortuzzo, all the multitude of veterans that are here and gone, Bowmeister, Gunnarsson, all these things. That's helped it. Now it's been harder for them to move up the lineup, but then you got to earn it. Now I will say this. I know we got to go to a break here, but there is not one young guy in the the St. Louis Blues organization that can say, I didn't get a shot. I wasn't given a fair shake. There's been plenty that didn't take full advantage of it. I'd say the last young guy that, in my opinion, didn't get the fair shake and the full shake was Ian Cole. That'll lead us to the defense. The Blues have a logjam in defense. We said we'd talk about it. How are they going to solve this problem, or is the problem really a problem? And then I'll tell you why on the Ian Cole thing when we come back. Blues D up next on the Balloon Party. All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms and you can also find it on uappodcast.com we're right back to the balloon party on the tim mckernan podcast presented by dobbs tire and auto centers on 101 espn Did you watch that City SC game last night? I watched bits and pieces of it. I watched more of the first half, which didn't look too bad, but it was the second half that got ugly. It was a great night for soccer fans because the the U.S. men's national team, I thought, put on a terrific showing against Panama. it's not their 18. Panama had a really good squad. Uh, for that game to go 0-0 extra time, Panama scores an extra time. Minutes later, the, the U.S. ties it up. The game went to penalty kicks. I mean, it went to extra time and penalty kicks. It was. I, I thought the drama in that game was absolutely fantastic. And then, of course, at 9:30, you've got City SC taking on you know the defending MLS champs. The gap for City SC at the top of the West is now closer. There's an interesting aspect that, you know, we'll see how this plays out over the final stretch when it comes to City SC here. But two really, two benchmark games. One early on in the season going into Seattle. And that was the one that snapped the, you know, the winning streak at the beginning of the year. They lose 3 nothing, And then this one out in Los Angeles. And they lose 3 nothing. Now, it was a much closer game than the, the three nil score would show you they didn't score until the final 20 minutes of the game and then it just kind of went and ironically they didn't score until Leuven was put in the lineup now City SC this year thanks to Tom Timmerman for this stat three and three without without Leuven in the starting lineup the interesting aspect of that is, one, it was just important to get him back in. Because no matter how much training you do, nothing takes the place of, of regular time, of, of actual game time. But you have, no matter what, no matter what, you have a letdown. When an important player like that comes in, you see it in every sport. You saw it with the Cardinals when Yadier Molina came back last year. Remember that? 
Everybody kind of let the sails out. They lose a few games. You've seen it with the Blues tons of times. When the when one of your top players comes back, sometimes that extra edge you were playing with, you let up a little bit because you figure he's going to fill it. So what happened last night really isn't a surprise. And you see, but looking forward to seeing what they do against Inter Miami. Unfortunately, no Messi. He's not starting with Miami until a week later. But it'll be a great night Saturday night as City is back home and uh, before the All Star break. All right, head to the Blues defense. Did you say we got one minute before I should take a break? Am I allowed to take a break? This segment's not that long. Do we do five segments? We got one minute from now because we got a four minute break and then our last segment at ten forty five. Listen, I on this show though ten fifty five. Time off or am I off? I think you're off. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But so we went long. So if I take this, we got one more segment after this, right? Yeah. Yeah. We're good. Okay. I got Listen, this. it's okay. No matter what happens, time management on this show has never been at this kind of peak. So. Oh, that's okay. We, we, we got this. All right. We said we're going to talk Blues defense. Of course, if, if if all the rumors are true, and I don't care to even, but if they tried to move Tory Krug, they tried to, you know, the St. Louis Blues tried to, to, to free up some spot. Here's the thing. You signed Scott Perunovich to a, a, a one-year, one-way contract. Right now, the St. Louis Blues have eight defensemen. This is going to get cleared up in one way, shape, or form. One Because I think you have to make room for Tyler Tucker to play. He's earned it. You'll hear from Tim Taylor tomorrow on, on, on how Tyler Tucker pretty much changed his body type to become an NHL player. Callie Rosen has proven to be a very good, solid defenseman. Yeah, younger-looking Carl Gunnarsson, yeah. you know, for for the, the fellow Swede. Marco Scandella's in his final year. Robert Portuzo's in his final year. Robert Portuzo is a locker room glue guy, a personality, stands up for the team. You're gonna, you need to figure that out. Nick Letty's got to play better minutes than he played last season. Colton Pareko has got to be more consistent than he was last season. Tori Krug has to have a much better season five on five. Uh, they need him to be better than just a, a power play guy. I thought Justin Falk was maybe the most consistent defenseman top to bottom. But, Right now, you've got eight defensemen, and Perunovic isn't even in that mix. So you're going to have to clear it up. Injuries are going to clear this thing up a little bit. You're going to see a team use eight or nine NHL-ready defensemen, but you're able to put some of those guys in the minors. So either somebody's going to have to clear waivers, or you're going to have to put somebody in the minors, or somebody's going to have to be ready to bring up. Now, could it be Kessel knocking on the door? That could be. But in some way, shape, or form, I still think maybe not before the start of the season. But early on, the logjam is going to have to be sorted out by somebody being moved. I just don't see if, if everybody stays healthy, I don't see how it works. Well, and correct me if I'm wrong, too, on the Scott Perunovich side of things. I know he signed a one way contract, but he still is waivers exempt for this upcoming season for part of it. Yeah, I have to I have to look into that. On, that gets on a little messy. It's a, but but the whole point is, is you're look, the one way contract doesn't. It's not the end-all, be-all. Because right. if even if a guy has to... I'll, I'll use Mackenzie McEachern for as an example. He signed a two-year contract on a one-way deal. If the Blues were to put him on waivers and he clears, well, he goes down to the minors. That comes off your salary cap, but he's still making that NHL salary down in the minors. He's actually making more money down in the minors hmm. because they don't take escrow out when you're playing in the minors. So like, if you got an NHL salary and you're sent to the minor leagues, your paycheck is actually bigger despite you being paid the same amount. Does that make sense? That's a little wacky. Because they don't yeah. they don't take it out. Uh, guys still would rather be here. But it, the situation for the Blues on defense, you heard Craig Berube talk about it yesterday, and you heard us, Joe Vitale, myself all the time. Like, just, it's not 
It's not just about the defense. It's about the team play defensively. And I think you're going to see a big difference in a hell of a rebound. But there is still a logjam. And to me, the one guy that I believe that I want to see in the starting lineup on opening night from a defensive standpoint, and I want to see him play 25 consecutive games. Just put him in there and let him figure it out as Tyler Tucker. The Blues need some jam. They need a little juice back there. And he's got that ability to do it, but he's got to bring that factor to the table. So Tyler Tucker's going to be my my fun guy to watch as we head into camp. With this log jam curbs, and I know you, we talked about this, it's not all on the defensemen. A lot of it has to do with the forwards. But with how things went last season, going into this now with all of these defensemen, does it come down to just production plays? Do you think there are going to be guys who get scratched if they aren't performing, kind of like we saw last year? If they're if they're playing like that this season, do you think there are going to be players scratched yeah. to make room sure. for some of these defensemen absolutely. to get playing time? Yeah, absolutely. But the question is, I, I'm not sure. I, I I don't know that you're going to have nine. You won't have nine defensemen on the roster on a big league roster. You know, so. Uh, something has that. Something is going to have. Something's got to give, right? And in the end, because of the no trade clauses that we talked about yesterday, the give might be in the five and six spot. But either way, I want to see Tyler Tucker's physicality in there to start the tone. I want to see it at the beginning of camp. I want him to carry that energy through camp and get into the season and bring something that the Blues haven't had in a little while on defense. You know, and that's that's a little snap factor and nastiness. I'm that's all on what board I, That's with what that. I want to see from Tyler Tucker. All right, we'll take a quick break. One more segment coming up on the balloon party uh, when we return. We're right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Well, we got good news for everybody. Counting tomorrow and in this segment, five more segments of me filling in for Tim McKernan. Then the jocularity for all you MASH fans who knew who Father Mulcahy is. The jocularity can continue next week as Tim comes back from vacation. But thanks to Tim for giving me the reins for the weekend. Fun talking baseball, soccer, hobby horse championships. I saw something else. I'm blanking now because I saw something else yesterday. A competition that I just started laughing because I'm like, there's just more things to either watch, bet on, or be entertained by. But we got somebody from the text line. It was actually in the uh, in the YouTube channel chat room at 101 ESPN STL. You can now see what's going on in the studios by logging in. And they asked a, a terrific question following up on the last segment talking about Blues defense. First off, somebody had asked a, a little while ago, you know, how long did it take Alex Petrangelo? Well, Alex Petrangelo, as the fourth overall pick, the first two years was sent back to junior hockey. You know, and so Jake was one year. The first two years, Alex was sent back to junior hockey. And the Blues won the Cup with Alex Petrangelo in his 10th season. Colton Pareko's going into his ninth. Won the Cup in his fourth year. And yes, there's other factors involved. But I, I just, there's different aspects of development, how things go and how, how, how players grow. But this one 
person asked a great question. It says, can you explain what changed from a system perspective last year that can be changed to this year to make the players more instinctively as a defenseman unit of five? They're basically saying, I don't think systematically anything changed last year. What changed was the players. What changed was Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo getting monster jumps in minutes. What changed was David Perron wasn't logging 22 minutes as a forward for you last year. What changed was certain players getting top minutes against top players. Well, as you saw with Ryan O'Reilly, when you're trying to be the top player, you're not only trying to score, you're trying to defend against the Nathan McKinnons of the world. And it's hard to hold them off. And if you're not really committed to smart play, as we talked about, I talked about this with Alex Ferrario yesterday. If you come over the blue line as the forward and your team is expecting you to put the puck into the corner and the other forwards are going to burn into the corner to go get it, and you decide to try to make a move just inside the blue line and you turn it over, you've got a forward or two that are out of position. The other team's coming back your way. The defense might have decided that's when they should go change, and everything's discombobulated. Maybe the defense didn't change, but the other team's coming at them now at a three-on-two. The forwards are coming back trying to catch up, and things are all out of whack in your own zone. That happened far too often. That's So it's not... Exactly system-wise, there are things that they could change and, and awareness, but it is also just more the players being committed to it. Hey, before we get out of here, I got I'm gonna talk something real a little bit personal here. Uh and I say this because this this is it's the education part here that's important. Okay, so this this is not sadness when I bring this up. So it was 30 years ago today that my mom passed away. I'm gonna tell you a great story. Favorite story I said. So she gets diagnosed with cancer in December, uh, and then it was July 13th that she passed away. But she had gone back to school. She always emphasized education to us. I'm the second of nine kids. She always emphasized education to us. Well, while she was battling cancer, sick even before they knew the diagnosis, she had gone back to school. She had gone up to Umsel. She graduated. She finished. She was, I think, 47, 48 when she passed away. Uh my youngest sister was 12, all right, to give you the idea of, of where the family was at the time. At, at, her, at her college graduation, her college graduation was about two months before she ended up passing away. I was uh, supposed to take her in her wheelchair because she could barely walk, and I was supposed to take her to the right side of the stage. And when they announced her name, wheel her in front of the stage, the dean from Umsa will come to the front of the stage from behind the podium, reach down, hand her the diploma, and I would push her to the left side of the stage. We get to the right side of the stage. She says, stop. All right. She lifts herself out of the wheelchair, pulls herself up the steps onto the stage. I put, a, I put a picture of this on Twitter today, my social media is for people. Walked across the stage to get her diploma, comes back down the steps on the other side, sits back down in the wheelchair where we met her, and she goes, I told you education was that important. I tell that story, and I remember that story on the anniversary of her passing, and again, not in sadness for people. I don't want, I don't want people feeling sad. I say that because it reminds me of the strength of the human spirit, the, the strength of the, of the mind, um, Watching her battle, you know, she, she as 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 an alcoholic, she 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 had her demons. There's the good and the bad of, of there's the yin and the yang of it all. 
but but she never lost sight of what was important in raising her kids and and education was driven home so when i'm when i'm in the schools and i'm demanding of teachers in the parkway school district right now or i'm calling the superintendent or i'm doing stuff it's because of her and that passion for education to make sure that kids have everything that they have from an educational standpoint that's why charities like kids smart are so important like right now you can donate school supplies to kids smart they make sure kids get them free of charge right there's charities like this around kids smart's one of the best in the area on it but education is just so important so it's hard to believe that it's been 30 years i was 22 and in college when, when she passed away but that will always stick with me can barely walk walks across the stage and stage and always had to make the point to you I told you education was that important. So as we wind down the summer, have some fun with the summertime there and and enjoy it. Be great with it. But make sure you're geared up for education. If you're out there with a charity that supports education, do that. Um, demand from your schools a quality of education. It's okay. Demand excellence from the teachers. That's okay too. But to do that, support your teachers. The teachers are not supposed to raise your kids. Support your teachers. Work with your kids at home. Give them the support that they need. Help teach them. Educate them more. Make them curious. Let them be curious. I love that line from Ted Lasso. Be curious, not judgmental. All right? Create that curiosity. Show them things. Be part of that educational process. And when you do, then we'll all be able to say, I told you education was that important. All right, Grant, thanks for filling in today. Thanks for putting up with me on that last segment. But it's uh, just an important day to always remember that. And I always like to share some of the personal side of life with everybody out there. We got one more day on the balloon party, and that's coming up tomorrow. We'll see you all tomorrow. You've been listening to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.